Hello everyone, uh, this is Artist Date. My name is Jana Komarnitska and this is Pedro Bonato. And in this show we talk about all different subjects related to artistic life, life together, creating together, traveling together, escaping the war together. So, on this very high positive note... <laughs> yeah, so we should just mention that uh, our latest uh, episode was about a little over a month ago. On so, February 22nd. Yeah, on February 22nd we recorded and already released. So if you listen to that, you've probably been... And we saw even some messages from people uh, asking what were the updates. Because when we recorded that episode, it was two days before the invasion of Ukraine by Russia and uh, we of course have a very big relationship with uh, Ukraine, Yana being from there and me having, well, not only being married to Yana but also living in, uh, in Ukraine for, and visiting there for the last eight years, eight years, not 80. <laughs> and um, yeah, so basically we wanted to give in this episode, it will be, I assume we, we haven't discussed anything specific, it has been very difficult to find the mindset to actually come yeah. and record because usually we're more cheerful or at least more in the talking about artist life way but I think it's uh, especially now we are in day 33 of the war of invasion um, and uh, I think it's going to be interesting for you guys to see uh, especially because probably I know that in the media it's still everywhere people talking about the war and uh, if you have uh, here you hear in a perspective for people that actually lived in the country that actually well in case of Yana is from there um, to people there like by definition even in our like artistic and life choices have been very uh, pro-peace and uh, not only pro-peace but like as in war is something unthinkable and bad independently of the context and uh, suddenly we're thrown in into this situation and we're going to talk about what we've been doing what kind of things we've been struggling with in both creatively and uh, like lifestyle wise there will be some like personal things but you will see the perspective of a person from ukraine and a person that lived in ukraine for a long time so we hope that this will be useful for you we're going to talk about uh, ways you can help charities things that um even though we both played and uh, performed and gave money to charity in different contexts throughout our lives. Uh, it was like performed for benefits, like all those kinds of things, but um, being more like directly related to trying to help, even if in a small way with our craft, uh, it has been a very, let's say, enlightening uh, thinking, at least for me. So I guess uh, let's uh, get started. Yeah, I also think it's gonna uh, be that uh, also trying to figure out because we are directly, indirectly influenced, like we are not physically there, we were not there when it ever since started because even our last episode we recorded, we were in Istanbul yes. and we talked on the decision why we went to Istanbul, but it still was on the mind like, yeah, we are worried, we are concerned about it, but it was still very, very unthinkable. Like, yeah, for you, yeah, I was really trying to the end, the like, last moment to push away. It's like, no, this is not gonna happen, this is absurd, and like that desire to, um, 
almost to pretend that nothing is happening, which we discussed in the last yeah. episode. Uh, it was still there, although very tensed. And I remember when everything started, and it's since now, it's just still that very big desire of just like closing your eyes and wishing that you open that nothing is happening, that this is not real. Yeah, like um, to me, like if you watched the previous episode, then I encourage you to see, well, well might be interesting perspective for you to check if you haven't watched that episode. Uh, it was basically us being very worried about and our decisions to get out of Ukraine. And was mentioned like, like closing your eyes, pretending not to see. And there's something I think I, I, I talked about this a little bit in that episode because I was really looking. This is basically, please understand, now we're sort of living in this post war situation. And this, what I'm talking about, was right before the build up to that. And basically, it has been. Uh, a few weeks that I've been like basically advocating for us to leave Ukraine. We were in Odessa, in the south of Ukraine, and our plans were to actually go to Kyiv, which is the capital, and then um, still do some work there. And I had like a bunch of ironically Ukraine related projects that were going to be there, and Jan was going to do a bunch of stuff. And then uh, basically we decided to go like I was like wanting to go for a long time already because I saw all those massive like tanks and whatever like building on the border and then I was thinking from an economical point of view you do not do that just for training you actually going to invade but then at the same time it seemed unthinkable back then that that would be but I was preferring to be on the side of caution and one of the things that got to me the most that was so strange was the um, and that, of course, I understand this idea of like wanting to shut your eyes and not see what's right in front of you. Because like in Ukraine, I was even saying like we, we were like, all our friends, basically like people were having life as usual, I guess. And uh, this is nonsense, nothing's going to happen. This is just Putin saying that like it's just flexing or whatever. And um, but I was actually worried about it. And then I decided to, okay, I told Yana like we're, we have to leave because... And this was like, what, 10 days before the actual invasion? Mm -hmm. From a historical point of view, this is two seconds before, because very well we could have stayed there um, a little bit longer. And uh, things would have been uh, more difficult. We should also mention uh, that uh, not only we have a lot of friends there, I have like, hundreds of friends that live, and people that we interacted with that live in Ukraine. Yana's parents are in Kiev. They're safe for now. This is day 33. but. Safe is such a relative term. Safe is such a relative term because even within one week there was three crashes and ruins and buildings in fire. Next to where you live. Like within 500 meters from them. Yeah. So it's very relative. Yeah, so but basically like they decided we, I think we mentioned this in the previous episode, that they decided not to leave the, the, the country. Like, and uh, that was of course their decision and uh, since then, there is, and they actually decided not to leave even after the war. They decided to, to stay. Like, well, uh, technically... Well, they could get a car and go to the border. Just to the border, but they cannot get out of no, Ukraine. Yes, yeah, so you should mention this, that uh, with the declaring, the day after we recorded the episode, last episode, on the 23rd, uh, they declared martial law, I think, in, uh, in Ukraine, or a uh, state, state of emergency, no martial law, martial law. Military state. Uh, it's a it's uh, state of emergency. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, 
basically uh, her dad cannot go because he's still in the fighting age as part of the reserves. Also, one thing to note is that uh, this is something that is very interesting of uh, Ukraine is that most people, especially most men, they will, uh, even if they're obligated to stay, they will, like, they, some people even, I think there's like 280,000 Ukrainians that came, came back, back to the country. Even like celebrities, like like people that like play soccer, tennis, like uh, they decided not only to give like money, in, in which we're going to talk about, uh, but also they decided to go and protect their country, which is, um, well, being from Brazil, it was very interesting to see the difference in um, mentality on uh, in different countries and I understand that the people that survived that actually live in Ukraine are the people that decided to fight otherwise the country had would have been obliterated hundreds of years ago already because it has been in this influx of people trying to take control of an area that is very rich for agriculture and natural resources very much like Brazil in that way but in Brazil, usually the people that came here, especially my ancestors, they're basically people fleeing the wars in Europe. So they had a very different mentality. Maybe that carries. Um, we have don't 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 make make no mistake. Like Brazil has its own horrors and own weird, terrible things that happen. And in a way, sort of a continuous civil war. If you think of the favelas and the shan shanty towns that exist uh, in Brazil, but it's nothing like what people are experiencing in uh, in Ukraine right now with bombs on literally on their heads and uh, it was so surreal. We're going to be a little bit all over the place, I guess, but mm -hmm. because we were both trying to process what's going on. But um, well, I guess we should talk about our experience of literally when we uh, discovered that Kiev was being bombed and uh, that the war had started on the February twenty fourth, and then take it from there. Uh, sure. Like, I remember it was uh, Istanbul early morning for me. Yeah. And um, I remember taking phone and seeing news yeah. um, that Kyiv and some other like places were bombed, but specifically Kyiv. And I remember first like right away like messaging my parents and they were still at home like right now for months they're living basically in the sort of a garage basement yeah. <laughs> uh, but at that moment they were at the apartment and uh, uh, they only woke up uh, and saw the news more or less at the same time uh, because the first bombing was not in their district it was more in like closer to the um, not even center of the city, but uh, a little bit further from where they lived. So they didn't really hear much. And the air sirens in their district is not really covering because it's literally the edge of Kyiv. It's basically very close to that edge where the main uh, fight is going on right now. Yeah, yeah. so basically just... And then I remember like waking you up and yeah. saying like, oh, it, it started. Yeah, so it was for me, it was a very strange uh, situation because literally I had, of course, have had problems like sleeping before that, like worried about that stuff and things in general. And I had spent that previous night of the 23rd to the 24th 
with uh, friends on like little meetings on um, like on chats and on like uh, uh, basically on, in video and trying to talk to my friends to or thinking this is before the war trying to create a song like a, sort of like a medley so combination of songs and uh, we'll probably eventually do this it's just one of those things that it's so weird to decide to go do like art stuff yeah. in times of war we're going to talk a lot about this probably but um, the project that I had in mind was this anti-war song that was basically one Ukrainian song as the basis and then having voices of other um, other languages talking about the experiences of like the horrors of war yeah. and there's so many places that have gone through this and I wanted to like juxtapose the songs one on top of the other and uh, literally I was talking to a bunch of musician friends from well, there's people from Ukraine, from Iran, from uh, Turkey, from Canada, and uh, so in, I, we actually were uh, talking about all this uh, until I was like until 6 a.m. I guess, because uh, Toronto time was like was way earlier for them. And then at some point I went to sleep, and then a half an hour later, uh, Yana comes very quietly to the bedroom and she says, "Oh, Kiev is being bombed," and I remember waking up with that and uh, basically has been one continuous day since that yeah. time that I was that I, that you woke me up like uh, one thing that people say in Ukraine all the time is that uh, like I don't know what day of the week it is but I know it's day 33 so basically this day came up with this idea already on the second third fourth day because people have been basically keeping a daily update on this um, this count of this war that does not stop and and it's like a daily uh, continuous prolongation of hope because first people are like oh like in a few days it will stop they cannot go further then it keeps going or then it's like oh for 10 days at least like at least like uh, at most like 10 days and it's gonna be over like what how long it will be then it's like oh by the end of march now it's like, oh, at some point in April, like it will stop, like how long? But then it's that count that you already want to start count down, like count back, like, okay. But you don't know when is the end day. Yeah, there is no end day for, for war. It's uh, one of those things that, especially the latest, aside from World War II, like it's not like there's a date where war ends, unfortunately, and... Um, it has been an interesting, um, I think we're, we should probably not try to do a little recap of like those kinds of things because people will get their news from different places. But I think it's important to know that, um, at least to me, it has been very strange throughout all this time. First of all, what to do in terms of work, in terms of um, how can we help, how can uh, how can we reimagine what we do, because we're not about to pick up arms and go fight. At the same time, I consider that now we are like I even talked to you about this. I wrote a lot of things uh, related to this war through these days, and uh, we're basically artists in war times. So what is the role that an artist that is pro-peace needs to um, take? And uh, also what kind of elements of 
quote-unquote normal life you can live without uh, that you're comfortable with and uh, that's not something that is easily defined right so yeah. uh, the main thing that maybe we should mention is that we get news from not only Western sources but we also have access sometimes to the, the Russian news quote-unquote uh, uh, and uh, which basically denies everything that is going on in Ukraine trying to sanitize you know it's all okay and uh, it's not a little operation denies it literally switches yeah, to the too. absurdity yeah. of like the narrative was so strange that there are so memes and jokes already about it it's like the the main one memes is like jokes you mean on the ukrainian side. yeah from yes yeah, yeah. so regarding like the russian propaganda it's like oh like the ukraine was uh planning to attack russia and Belarusia, and it was creating yeah. military like this uh, biological weapon yeah, and chemical new, weapon yeah. and uh, trying to do something like that. yeah but wait when afterwards Putin decided to save us, so instead of doing all that, we decided to bomb ourselves. But yeah. no, we're not bombing ourselves, we're yeah. just creating fake videos. So yeah. the narrative, according to Russian news, it's really absurd to the point that I these days literally just swipe. I cannot bear to watch that absurdity. Yeah, so, but the, my point was that, like, we get news, like, whatever it goes to, and it's very interesting for me to see, especially the. In Canada, for example, we have a lot of friends and a lot of connections that are related to Canada because of the diaspora. Diaspora is the way that they talk about the Ukrainians that left Ukraine throughout its history, especially like 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, even at the end of the 19th century too, basically because of Soviet oppression on, uh, on in Ukraine. And um, it, then I see from the point of view of Brazil, for example, which is such a for a faraway country, not only physically, but mentally. There's very little uh, Ukraine um, like heritage in Brazil, by chance in the city where I grew up, there is a lot, but uh, in the country in general, it's not one of the big players. And um, also Brazil has, the last war we fought was, not, uh, was the Second World War, and just we sent a bunch of people to Italy to do nothing and stuff. And I mean, not true, I'll rephrase that. Our participation in the war has been minimal in uh, in World War II, and we are not a fighting country, war country in that sense, because we're in that way very com compared to Ukraine, very similar. That it's two countries that have been oppressed by uh, their uh, by aggressors. In the case of Brazil, was our conquering people from Portugal many centuries ago and then afterwards was the massive influence from the United States that created the military regimes in both all of South America that until basically I was a child we had fake uh, democracies in Brazil and South America and then um, in that sense both and we are being exploited because of our natural resources same thing as with uh, Ukraine with the difference that Ukraine also serves as this buffer between Western Europe and and uh, Russia and uh, basically Middle East too. So. Yeah, Ukraine was on a crossover of fights for centuries since basically the beginning of its existence mm -hmm. by many different uh, nations and ethnicities and uh, n neighboring uh, countries or states to the point that even in Ukrainian national anthem it says Ukraine still didn't die we will fight and we will overcome our uh, 
enemies. Yes. So it's in the literally national anthem embedded this uh, idea of constantly struggling from other uh, states trying to occupy Ukraine and constantly having to fight for its existence. Yeah, it's um, and you see that in the, the way people like behave and uh, and just to finish this uh -huh. idea, oh, like I remember, like uh, me and many people for like of my generation were always like almost slightly criticizing the national anthem because like oh it's so depressing why we are talking about like oh Ukraine still didn't die like what what that message gives up but right now it's very very to the point it's just yeah. nobody could imagine that this will repeat again in twenty first century yeah and it's uh, one of those things that. Um for us, like, and I'll talk, so just because we're going a little bit all over the place because we haven't, like, thought through what to say exactly, but, like, so I get news from Brazil, from the United States. I read a lot of stuff from there. I, I see an analysis from people there. I see a lot of European sources. Then we see, at least I see English-speaking um, news from Ukraine, and then we also see a lot of the Ukrainian and Russian news that I put on Google Translate, but... Uh, it's surprisingly accurate, by the way, if you are uh, an international, that's actually a good point. If you want to read what Ukrainians are reading, uh, I recommend taking, a, like, just grab, grab a Chrome browser and then put the, the, the page that you're looking for. I'll put some links for this website, for this episode, for where we get news in Ukraine that translates from Russian and Ukrainian. So it all automatically translates the page for you. And for news, which is usually a very simple language, it does a very good job. So you can actually read what people are saying, including to see this uh, discussion about what's propaganda, this idea of fog of war, right? This fog that you can never know what's true and what's not true. And uh, in our case, like Yanis from there, I live there. So we have a direct relationship, of course, with uh, the country that will influence our thinking. But at the same time, you can always try to go with a critical eye to what's going on and then even most importantly than a critical eye because there is fog of war there is propaganda there is the country that invented propaganda fighting uh, other people and i'm talking about russia in this case uh, like soviet propaganda literally invented this um uh, this concept and um ironically now people basically a lot of people in russia basically believe their government which to me it sounds surreal because they're like smart people but there is this crazy thing that that happens that people start believing propaganda and not only that start believing uh, propaganda despite their moral judgment that of course bad things are happening of course uh, uh, civilians are being killed of course children are being uh, impacted by this and there is nothing that justifies this and uh, people keep at least the way that i'm trying to keep myself sane and not angry at um, people that are denying what's going on is that this thought that it doesn't matter what you believe about who is right or who is wrong this should not be happening yeah but this is the blinded uh, propaganda and blinded belief to re go to real absurd point that like relatives don't yeah. believe each other that Mothers, so many yeah so many stories and we experience it in our family to very to a certain extent too like it was more back in um, before when the actual war started eight years ago when, yes uh, the then was a big uh, really fight in my family and i since then 
decided i took personal my decision i do not want to talk to those people and i basically refused big part of my family we should mention that what you mean is that you have your mother's russian your yes. father is ukrainian and uh, you had a lot of uh, relatives that like, uh, like from my mom's side from my mom's side that actually believe that the ukrainians are doing atrocities to russian ethnic russians in, in ukraine it's an absurd idea and how they invaded the crimea and invaded the west of ukraine and how it's like basically from what you told me because i was not part of those conversations that they're like oh it's like well done to you you deserve this that kind of stuff so even in families people uh disavowing their situations there was even one a video selfie and there's countless of those situations where you had like a, a woman she had her husband and uh, her family in Ukraine and then the wa the mother lives in Russia and then she's like mom look this is my building it got blown up and the mother what are you talking about you don't need to go to shelters it's all okay it's just a uh, denazifying they're not uh, taking civilians yeah. yeah which is something that you see literally every day all the time that's what's going on and it couldn't be different because uh, not only they independently of people discussing even people friends in Brazil that were not putting, uh, not on favor of Putin, but they were like, uh, is that beta male thinking that there is this tough guy, so I like him because I want to be more like him? There's a lot of uh, that kind of thing related to, to Putin. Even Brazil, our president, was uh, not pro Putin, but um, let's say uh, fond of his style, right? And uh, one of the things that I was like, impressed was my friend saying like what do you mean they're destroying uh, civilian uh, places what makes the, what what sense does that make and i'm like dude i used to walk literally on this street every day in kiev and now there is a tank and that place has been bombed and it's basically one of those old soviet buildings that exist all over ukraine which is that terrible ugly architecture that the soviets imposed because the architecture if you see like the villages and the the western side of uh, um, of Ukraine is much more beautiful in that way, and they had this massive oppression, the symbol of old oppression still present in uh, in Ukraine. But people do what they they can; they they live there and they they like repair those old buildings. And those basically have been destroyed. What five like what two minutes walk from where yeah. we used to live, and uh, <laughs> and then at some point, at least those friends started like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, it seems that that's what they're going, what's going on, and it's the complete lack of knowledge <laughs> of what happens in every single war, that when you can't conquer right away all the military yeah. assets, you basically start bombing the hell out of people so that you can um, take over in different ways. And the absurdity also continues, uh, like, I think the most absurd, of course, within family, then people don't believe like each other and start telling uh, to relatives in Ukraine what is happening in Ukraine. Like, I mean, relatives from Russia telling their relatives in Ukraine, oh no, this is happening in Ukraine. Then the person literally on his own street sees all these ruined buildings and many people even have like their buildings ruined, like completely ruined like Mariupol is basically destroyed at yeah. this point there is not a single building that was not damaged in Mariupol just like in many other cities in some like smallest cities around Kyiv uh, area it's the same it's ruined it's like blank but also within like social media and coming also to the artistic community inside like among let's say dancers right in ballet dancers uh, community obviously 
there are many Ukrainian ballet dancers with heritage or living in Ukraine, being connected to Ukraine. And then suddenly in one moment, in one single day, pretty much all of them became suddenly not necessarily political activists, well. but political, I don't know, like uh, information deliveries. I don't even know, like activists. And then suddenly all their social media is not about dancing, is about like, bombing, death, uh, war, etc. And yeah. there was a lot of criticism as a result of like Russian propaganda from Russian side of their followers, like, oh, but this is all fake. You're all sharing the same videos, the same messages, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking like, yeah, like not in the beginning, but week or two into there was basically established a couple of news channels like telegram channels where official like channels there people see different like photos videos news from different regions and it's not that many of them and all of ukrainian dancers obviously they follow them too and they can grab some videos they reshare repost but at the same time there are many videos that literally people took with their own phone and i remember yeah. i will mention like one name here i'm sure she will be okay with it like diana yeah. gnachenko very famous ballet dancer world known ballet dancer who is in kharkiv and you she actually like just because there, there's a tendency in ukrainians to just say the names of cities and not contextualize uh like what there is it's sure like a, a, it's otherwise like kharkiv yeah it's a city on the northeast part of the country so it's very very close to Russia and it's a city that has a lot of universities it's basically like a research center it's like a very cool interesting it's vibrant city and now all the universities are destroyed but just to give context of because you said Mariupol Mariupol is a city on the north on the south east side where uh, it's basically very close to Crimea and also close to, to Russia. It's kind of to, between... Uh, it's like, a port city, so yeah. it's, a, it's a very strategic, important uh, city too. Just to people have like a little bit of context sure. of, uh, of, 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 of Ukraine, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but like Diana Gnachenko, who lives in Kharkiv, and Kharkiv was easier still, and was from the very beginning, it was one of the toughest cities who got the most bombarding even before Mariupol, like Kharkiv was like really, really hard hit. And at this point, while we are talking, I kind of didn't see her on social media. She disappeared for almost two weeks, no yeah. notice, but she was all this time in bomb shelters. She filmed herself. I remember one video because her building was destroyed. Yeah, It was damaged, not completely destroyed, but it was hardly damaged, literally very close to her apartment. And then basically she was filming herself this video this her house you can hear her voice and she still was receiving a bunch of messages from people oh it's all fake you are a liar you are not even in ukraine yeah it's uh there is so it's much more emotional for ukrainians to see the absurdity of people basically denying the existence of the problem and you can literally see in thousands of videos uh you don't even need to go into literally in this case has been a war that has been not televised but put on social media to the point that if you well you can go on one person's social media that is from ukraine and then you see who like their friends are and go follow their stories they're all posting this uh, these things and it's not like they're posting the same grainy video of like 
war in Iraq from like 1992. We're talking about uh, literally people with their phones filming thousands of videos showing what was going on. And even even what, what I find uh, fascinating and uh, depressing in this, in this sense is how uh, a sense of like the people for like people in Russia they are in a very specific situation where they have been living under this uh, like authoritative regime for who knows how long and then even from before and we have a lot of friends that are Russians so it's uh, very strange to uh, most of them are either pretending nothing is happening and um, of course there was a lot of protests in Russia and they have been uh, received with like all those terrible beatings and all those things but in a way uh, we become more activists in, in a way when you think that if it's your country doing this you have no right to um, pretend it's not the case at the same time my worry right now is because um, it's very easy for uh, people to especially people from Ukraine that are there to have their anger on people that are like let's say your country is attacking ruthlessly uh, another one and um, you basically posting like whatever on social media or you're living your life without even acknowledging what's going on in this sort of denial in a way uh, in the way that I see it is very similar to what Ukraine was feeling before that they were not looking at what's going what was going on um, in a way, and I'll mention this is not a popular opinion among Ukrainians, but most of my Ukrainian friends, by the time that I lived in Ukraine, they were basically not talking or not thinking about what was already going on, the invasion that started eight years ago in Donbass region, which is in the east and in Crimea. When we actually met, mm -hmm. I was <laughs> by chance uh, asked to help in this uh, like artistic production in Toronto that was to gather funds um, uh, to do work in, like, to help people in Ukraine, and um, and we've done a lot of stuff related to that. But I had this impression that aside from the people that have fled those regions in Ukraine, which I met a bunch, and of course because I am in this, I am personally in connection with a lot of uh, uh, artists both in Canada and in Ukraine that were trying to help in those places and we know a few military people so they were there and they were like what before those like 13,000 uh, Ukrainian soldiers and people that died trying to protect the land on that area but it was basically my experience in Ukraine maybe as a foreigner that doesn't speak the language properly it would be like oh you don't see what's going on but I never saw people talking about uh, the war over there so it's very even on your own country, that is not the full country mobilizing to go help one place. Now, yes, because it's literally on you. So what I'm not trying to um, justify uh, Russian uh, like denial. I'm just saying that it's a normal part of life because even for the Ukrainian people that were in Ukraine, they were not real. my friends. And I'm talking from a personal point of view. I have never seen anyone once talk about except from, yeah, shame that's going on. Yes and no at the same time, because when uh, eight years ago, when everything was starting, there was a lot of things going on, a lot of things happening, and it was uh, coincided basically the same like times it was switching from like one president to another because we had the revolution, then the war started, Crimea occupation, and there was a lot of not only talks, but a lot of things happening around this. But what happened afterwards, which terrifies me right now that it may repeat the scenario is 
because it prolonged for such a long time it became it's not really correct word but i'm really terrified of this normalization yeah. that you kind of come back to your regular like life wherever you can wherever it's safe areas and uh, that's what terrifies me with like situation in ukraine if it continues for really long time can the attention be held still like there in terms of how we can help i mean as a world as a community and how we can actually solve or it will become another frozen conflict there but now around the entire country and also what happened that when we had uh, a few years ago the switch and the president zelensky the current president came they start bringing up again a lot of talks like no we need to fix the donbass conflict we have to fix it there was way more talks which partially also possibly provoked russia to act sooner than later to finally like from their side finalize yeah. this yeah the uh, my point with uh, bringing this up was just that uh i'm not talking about what governments are doing because now you're talking about what governments are doing yes they're always doing something my point was the attention in the war in Ukraine was not in the regular minds of people not that true. I met. Okay? Yeah, maybe, but saying. like on our parents, on like uh, TV and, and things, there's everyday news and people right. paying attention and people right. are doing, and we had like even you personal, not even me, you had yeah. some friends who literally went to Donbass region yeah. for many, for long time to fight. So it's not exactly like i understand your point and i agree partially but it's not exactly that or people were ignoring it like i think it's both it's i think it's both ignoring and doing things it's like that weird things that happen but anyway this is sort of like not really relevant my point is just that people will react that's something that we are seeing this right now in real time for us uh that um people will ignore and they will engage and they will change their lives because of war. Yeah. One thing that is beautiful, I think, is happening right now uh, all over the world. Even though there is some cynicism, and I've seen, I had a friend that is Ukrainian from Kyiv. She lives in Toronto. And she told me that she thinks there is more propaganda on the Ukrainian side than on the Russian side. And then I was like, I, not, I don't know what to tell you aside from, well, you speak the language, you can, I can point you to new sources. I have physical, I have literal friends that live right on those places, so I don't know. To be fair, yes, of course it's war. There will be uh, exaggerations, somewhat propaganda in the sense of keeping the morale of people up. This will happen for sure. There is the bloodthirsty people in the West that will do this. It's basically a fight for oil, gas and uh, access to warm waters. Like what else is new in a way right at the same time everybody tries to justify as they have the right thing to the point that russia has the denazification of ukraine which is the absurd situation and when you have literally israel in favor of ukraine that takes away that uh, that uh, context and, and the president being like descendant of jewish people and um people were fleeing to ukraine when they were doing second world war to flee nazis so it's this uh, blatantly absurd uh, um, uh, accusations but in any case the way that i see it as a i am not from there i just have a lot of people i love that is there are there and are from there but the way that i see it is that and i'll give this one example because it's such a 
unfortunately beautiful um, uh, story that is there was this little girl that because in, in, in Ukraine I was playing like a lot of percussion festivals and I was doing like a lot of work that there's so many dancers like young girls that go be, become like belly dancers and they learn and they go to competitions and I played for hundreds of them there and uh, the I remember one specifically that was in one of the workshops as soon as we got to, to Kiev and uh, it was like a 12 year old girl maybe she was 10 when uh, when we met her there and then uh, while all the older dancers they were struggling with like rhythms and uh, with like oh this rhythm this kind of song this instrument they were like she and another friend they were like on it like they knew everything and then i followed like her like trajectory over the over the th this this years and she was always dancing and she played violin and she spoke like four or five languages like very cute and doing all sorts of things all supervised by her mother to put her let's say dance and music career and in school and all this stuff and then suddenly those children which are about 7.5 million in the country right now the stuff that is out of dispute it's like oh it's true not bomb this bomb that there are bombings of civilian civilian places even if you do not believe that's going on on purpose let's say oh it's just uh, uh casualties you still have 7.5 million kids that were woken up with bombs that's a fact there is no discussions about if you're bombing a place even if you say it's a military place there will be those raids those sirens of hell that people are waking up every day and waking up with bombs and hearing those things and you have 7.5 million kids and according to the un this is not ukrainian propaganda it's there are 4 million 4.3 million displaced children inside ukraine without considering all the refugees which are already record numbers um yes syria had more yes uh, yemen has a lot of uh, terrible things and we'll talk about the oppression olympics in a bit but one thing that i wanted to mention is like this is one specific example and then this girl is literally had to grow up very fast right now listening to watching all these horrible things going on and what's the impact for the future of a war like this they say that a war is a a war is a failure of diplomacy and i absolutely believe that and at the same time what has been holding the con the world together as of right now in my opinion is diplomacy and use of trade as a weapon because they cannot send uh, apparently they cannot send direct people to fight in, in ukraine they're sending a lot of equipment and they're doing all those sanctions in economic sanctions which have been somewhat effective and uh it's the way that people can uh, can do and there is this new sort of like kind of warfare fourth fifth generation warfare that is going on now and uh what makes my heart both like bleed cry and boil is this thing that I imagine all these little girls that I met that I was teaching that uh, they are basically now with their life disrupted and they are from the ages of okay I understand what's going on to the point of I don't and I had the, just one thing oh you shut me up anytime because I can go on and on about these things but there was one image that I saw there was one old lady and they have like this they call babushkas right this uh, grandmas grandmas like in, uh, in Ukraine and sometimes I always uh, said like jokingly that he always had this frown and this sad faces and uh, like 
very distru distrusting faces. And then there was this photo that uh, I saved it because uh, it really got to me that it's an old lady that when she was a kid during the Second World War, the, the um, Germans bombed her house. I think it was in Kharkiv, actually. And uh, yeah, it was in Kharkiv, the city, again, in the northeast part of the country, close to Russia. And uh, her mother and her sister died and she lost a few fingers on her hand. She survived, she had kids. And um, now her, her house was bombed again by uh, this time by Russian troops. So she lost everything again. And this is this picture of her crying. And I made this connection in my mind, just why I'll never forget this, is that I was always focusing on the children, on the, like, on the, on the, on the girls that I met, or the boys, or like my friends, they're, like, they're artists in their 20s and 30s. I had one friend that he was like an accordion player and he said I had to change my accordion for a machine gun to go help his, uh, his uh, like in, 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 um, in Donetsk region in the east. And uh, that woke me up to this thing of like, this what I was saying, this idea of like people paying attention, not paying attention, is like these dragons, this judgment, they always come in the end when you don't pay attention to the things that we're all supposed to be paying attention. And that comes to the world stage as well, in my opinion, is that if we don't pay attention to what's going on, what happened, let's say you didn't pay attention to Yemen, you didn't pay attention to Syria, you didn't pay attention to Palestine, you didn't pay attention to whatever part or Iraq before that, or Afghanistan. Oh, it's there, it's over there, it's not my problem, not my problem. Now people are going to start feeling that in gas prices and in food shortages. And who the hell knows if it's not a full nuclear exchange because we as citizens of the world did not help the people that are being bombed right now. So that's sort of like the way that I've been approaching this is like, let's not put blame to those who did not pay attention to things. Let's make sure that we can um, start living our life, not in the, not my problem too far away into, it's all of humanity, it's so important. And this just happens to be on the backyard that we were in, but it's so important because these children are the same everywhere. And right now in Ukraine, there is millions and millions and millions like this little girl that i just mentioned that she's even doing like online classes to gather funds to uh to give to charities and the girl is what 12 13 maybe it's uh, no one should have to go through this like the, even the nazis and russians i dare to say would not deserve what they are doing to the country of ukraine right now yeah, it's very heartbreaking to see the videos of like kids uh, trying to play games in the subway shelters because now in Kyiv, for instance, all subways they serve as shelters for people who need like bomb shelters or lost the houses. So li people literally live uh, in subways and obviously like with a minimum quantity of stuff. So it's not like kids, they have their toys and then those videos of them like using the accessibility rails to entertain themselves yeah. or the videos of like small kid listening to mother's lullaby and then suddenly the air siren comes and they it mixes. Um, mm -hmm. And also all the women who now given birth, uh, who are in labor, literally instead of normal clinics, they are in basements yeah. with, in some places with no electricity or even hot water and some of them with complications that they need assistance, they need professional assistance. And there was a case recently we were like, uh, through your friends, I think that some like doctors around the world yeah. 
who could speak the language would via internet, via conference calls, give instructions to nurses on how to assist this or that problem because not all yeah. places even physically have actual specialized doctors. Sometimes it's just nurse happen to be in that basement with that woman who needs some special care and how to help. The nurse is not qualified and there is no access maybe to other doctors in Ukraine right now or in her city that can come or even can call. So they're like a literal consulting. I don't know how complicated operations, but it's things that should not be happening. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, like this was like my, uh, like a relative of mine who is a doctor was just mentioning that, that a lot of people not only sending and this is one of those beautiful things that we started seeing that uh, like a lot of people sending, doing like uh, we help like uh, like in a small way organize a bunch of like little things, but um, like concerts like in Canada that happen to give money to the I, I was basically rallying all this time. What we've been trying to do is like I was rallying every single friend of mine that I know to okay where can people donate what if let's say even places that they would be able to do logistics of sending to ukraine or to poland in that case and then to ukraine um i was basically rallying a lot of friends to encourage them to donate and to spread the word about what's going on and a lot of people have uh which was really great to to see we saw like in brazil uh, a lot of people receiving uh ukrainian uh immigrants and um that was really cool to see and there was like a different understanding at least on my part on not only world history but the history even of my ancestors in a way too like so there was like a lot of personal like thoughts about that um so basically we've been trying to gather ways to help and uh at the same time trying to deal with the reality of okay what is what does it mean to make art and to make work or what kind of thing can we do to make things like happen and to help those folks especially the people that are the most endangered in um, doing wars are pregnant women as you know saying children and uh, babies being born and uh, my my uh, cousin was basically saying like how they were like all oh, doing this like calls to certain people just to give uh, instruction sort of like okay do this do that consulting for certain situations and this one of those things that no matter which side you are or how much propaganda or how much let's say skeptic you are of uh, of whatever is going on my one comment about this is that there is skepticism because you know things and you know how difficult it is to know things and there's skepticism because of intellectual laziness and cowardice which is what I think is going on in a lot of times. And of course, because we had our governments lie to us again, again, and again, and again, and use war as, as this war machine to secure energy sources and uh, access to, to crops and the uh, seas and all those things. So plus all the craziness of thinking in 2021 that one piece of land that has been that in a sovereign part of another country is yours and then you go and you take over and uh, with it's mind-boggling to me and at the same time uh, one thing that we've been talking about because our work especially like if i am like in, let's say the, the things that i'm interested in which is fashion photography and then world music and then for yana dance especially like oriental and ethnic dance there is this thing that uh it's very easy to make a 
violin melodic sad song but it's very difficult to dance about war and it's very difficult to create especially visual beauty the way that i want to do and i like to do that is related to war i know a lot of people are doing i know i'm, I'm talking about this as a my own our own struggles i think of what to do in terms of which artworks to do which projects to work on when we were peacetime uh, artists right in the sense that what what are we uh, what can we do to help what can we do that is not even help it's not even that what's appropriate in the yeah. world to uh, for us to do and uh, the only answer i had for now was to literally engage in talk to as much people as i can to send money to this place try to organize oh there are these ukrainians coming then i i was so happy to see a lot of friends that decided to take up arms because of something i read i wrote and then they decided to go and do stuff and my friends in canada and uh, a lot of people in europe and trying to help small things but you always also feel not only what's appropriate to do and you always feel this vulnerability of damn it there is very little i can or should do and uh, i'm not ready to help so there is this guilt of i'm not doing enough even when you do good things that's something that you are like always struggling with yeah and it's uh, like it's it's uh, interesting how little in one day a lot of things a lot of projects a lot of things that you care that paid attention they became almost like a nonsense it's like they're so unimportant whatever uh, a lot of things became under question like or is it time for that? Is it appropriate? Or even how dare I? And they also became on a personal level, like uh, like some moments of like uh, like you know like little piece of joy or joyfulness or like but how can I? Like it, it's that constant like also guilt on the back of uh, which partially is kind of unreasonable because if you're in a worse situation with like other people who are now in worse situation that would not really help much and at the same time punishing or beating yourself will not help you to help more mm -hmm. neither but you still cannot overcome that inner sensation yeah like you've been in that situation more than uh, than i have uh, in a way i think because you were in like way more shock than i was because it's your country it's your land like you felt it like uh, way more and also like i guess we should mention like it was very strange to us to decide how to because on social media we were both like very active and i was talking to a lot of people to try to find ways to to help and um you were really let's say uh chronicling what was going on right in, in social media but then our projects let's say for example the, the yana dance club where we have like the classes for dancers like that you decided early on to sort of like keep that thing going on as a as normal as possible like you address people in like weekly messages of what's going on but from um I don't know like from a personal like it's your little sanctuary i guess like i think you should like mention a little bit of this because it's uh um 
the problem with war stuff in the way in this one of the texts that I'm uh, uh, if you want to check a few of my writing about these things it's on my website but um, uh, one thing that I'm writing right now is this idea of uh, like killing the dragon which is this idea of um, from St. George that is this uh, St. George and the dragon which is such an iconic image in Ukraine and in uh, that it always fascinated me and I wanted to do some images related to that and I kept postponing, postponing, postponing so I didn't do it and I was thinking all those things that I did not do in time they would have been very useful right now in terms of gathering funds, trying to put them for, for sale and all those things so there's always that uh, say judgment day that comes to all of us in a wartime where we can ignore oh this is not my problem if it comes to me I will be active but it's not gonna come to me and um, for like a lot of people it's like we think oh we see this other person doing this projects and then we think oh, is it adequate for me to do this or that one and the way that I see it is like there is no adequate there is what you consider correct and you go and you do that and to me at least in wartime has been this like fearlessness that I was searching for in a way and I now to me it has been this screw it you just do what you need to do and uh, basically you forgive yourself as fast as you can so that you can actually be useful yeah easier said than done yes. <laughs> in many cases like yeah. i know for me then everything started there's a lot of things uh, like ongoing project like literally paused or shut down like i literally stripped my work tasks to the bare minimum over like okay what has to happen for sure like that just stayed i remember like the biggest contrast was obviously on my social media because on my instagram it was like daily stories daily motivation daily practice and then suddenly it it just about war at least for the first two three weeks like now i'm really trying to think how to change because it's ongoing and there is all like i kind of feel already on social media there is a little fatigue of like from audience which refers to what i earlier said i'm terrified of this normalization oh yeah. it's just this is what's happening in ukraine yeah. and this this terrifies me the the most that that may happen like it will lead to the situation but like for me it was first just sharing what is happening obviously sh like things that shocked me like and not everything i was still like i try to do not share everything immediately because for me my audience on social media is english speaking it's not ukrainians me sharing immediate second by second will not help anyone and sometimes there is some confusion or information or like afterwards there is more information added to like things events and i was also trying at least from time to time to address some topics it's not just news uh, news uh, how to say it broadcasting of like or repeating let's say ukrainian news on social media instagram but trying to address some questions or, or topics of like what exactly because not everyone is really familiar with ukrainian history it's one thing that we on the ukrainian news hear something and we kind of half understand certain things or we perceive them in this way because we had a history and knowing what is 
what is happening in the country for years and years, but not like for someone from other country who never got interested in Ukraine. Like, oh, but why are you saying this or this or why? Like, like what is even propaganda idea? Like, oh, but Russians are saying like this way. So I was trying to also be mindful of trying to address and explain things that I can explain because not everything I can explain. I'm not a political expert or military person. Like I don't understand. I understand that I don't understand certain things fully, but there are things that are very obvious from like, let's say regular day-to-day -day life of civilian Ukrainian. And also me being living, have been living many years abroad outside of Ukraine it also gives different perspective because when I every time I come back to Ukraine I also notice things that are normal and regular for people there for me they are they bring my attention like at this point so I was just from my personal perspective trying to to see carefully like which things I can put out so which things I can actually talk about uh, and some projects were completely like paused like i could not imagine releasing belly life podcast now i'm rethinking and i'm yeah. i'm psyching myself like okay certain projects we need to come back even this video uh this is basically yeah. the first artist date after everything yeah. started for a month uh and it was difficult even to to do anything so some projects were like okay they're not important some projects not the time in some project, how dare I do them right now, even think about them right now. So at the Young Dance Club, what happened, like I also basically stripped everything to the bare minimum. Like, okay, what is promised? Why people subscribe? This content needs to be uh, delivered. And we should mention that we had the content create. We were in content creation mode for more than a year. I right was now. just about to oh, say sorry. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. So I was like super extremely happy for our ha habit, developed habit already to uh record and prepare a lot of content in advance that yeah. literally saved me because i don't know how i would go through if i actually had to create tutorials right now for a deadline for all oh, every like week needs to be released this and i have to get up and dance and think and of course being a more or less at least positive or at least not depressing mode because those tutorials they will stay there for as long as Yanadas Club exists. So it's not just for right now that people may understand, oh, okay, of course, like there is this happening. So it's all like, you know, understandable. No, those things they will be viewing in like two, three years, etc. Nobody will refer, oh, but this was recorded at the war time. So mm, maybe they should. Well, mm. we still have part of that, which is, um, there are two things happened at the Yanadas Club related. I know the latest choreography was already inspired by the situation because I still created it in Odessa before we left, before everything started. But it was with that tension yeah. of, uh, and still debating at that moment, we still didn't know like, oh, maybe we can stay in Ukraine or maybe we could, we should go. And our decision to leave Ukraine was also very much connected that with the fact that we do need to have 
very stable like internet connection and like basic infrastructure for work and we were planning to do to go to Canada in to April. Canada in April yeah. so I was like oh but what if you'll be stuck in country and want need to leave and we have to go for we had to go for some practical reasons so it was not just a decision of trip to be postponed for later so it was all together but basically uh, at the same time at the Yana Dance Club it's an online teaching platform so yes it's a pre-recorded videos but it's a community online platform and uh, every week I also do personal message just me talking sharing things giving like sometimes assignments feedback and that that had to happen on a weekly basis this I cannot pre-record this is as it goes yeah. it has to happen and uh, I always was inspired by the community element of the Young Dance Club and the entire end of 2001 and beginning of 2022 we were saying oh this year is gonna be about community at the club um, and I did not expect at that moment that it actually will be also about community in this way that it was also community understanding and supporting me yeah. it was more about Oh, we support each other in dance training, but obviously, like I'm not bringing in terms of like political. I'm not talking at the end of this club. Oh, this week happened this, 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 and this, and this in Ukraine. Uh, I'm not broadcasting news there. But I refer. But since I am there and talking about personal message, I'm obviously sharing what is happening on personal level with us, and it's still not exactly completely out of politics, just because this war influences our life directly and influence our activities including dance activities directly and uh, it was sort of separation but not really like i wanted to leave some space that okay we are here the main idea we have in this club is dance training so let's make it central but obviously i will bring up things from my personal level and i took a decision that for more war-related, directly war-related stuff, I'm referring basically people to either my Instagram, which is, has a lot already in highlights about events, about some subjects and questions that, from foreign perspective, people may question, like, oh, what is that? Or I don't understand what they're talking here about, like all the stories uh, from dancers, what, what, what does it mean? Or ways how to help. So that's on Instagram actively now. At least, like, it was, for this month, it basically was just about that on Instagram. I don't know, I, I understand that I need to start evolving this trend with Instagram, but I have no idea of like, how, how to infuse things and if it's a problem. And I'm not talking infusing some entertaining things, but I also understand that just broadcasting news also is not really much helpful. So how to how to make it the most like use out of that? But anyway, that's a different conversation and different thing. But at the same time, we also refer people to separate page which I created uh, about resources where people can donate, how people can have send humanitarian help on the same resource I already started and I will continue even more sharing 
more about Ukrainian ballet dancers. So like my audience is ballet dance community yeah. around the world. So that's why I'm more like, yeah, there are some general resources for donations, but still like it's the most logical for me. What I can do is to give some focus also on ballet dance community of Ukraine. And it involves also a lot of kids and children because as Pedro was talking just now, in Ukraine among students these days, I think there are more, way more children than the actual adults doing ballet dance. So it's that like sort of, it's separation, but it's not really separation because in every project and every little thing that we are doing, we are present. Yeah. And uh, it's unthinkable to separate yourself right now from the situation. Yeah, and uh, the way that I see it, at least uh, it's, we cannot escape from um, ourselves and the world that's sort of like one of those things that unfortunately or fortunately it is the case and we have to uh, I guess that there is a little bit of that guilt that you were talking about that comes from ego that we wish we were something else that we were stronger bravers whatever like uh, that happens that happened before that will keep going until we find things to do so what I've been like trying to do myself was like even with little things okay I connected this to people that like I know them from different contexts so they can help each other and uh, even the news like oh, we, oh it's one thing for a Ukrainian person to be posting about what's going on in the war it's another thing for a guy that okay I lived in Ukraine I'm married to a Ukrainian but I'm not Ukrainian so what's my perspective and I think a lot of people are paying attention to that in, uh, in I mean a lot a lot is relative I'm saying to my small audience, people are actually paying attention to that. And I saw some actual things going on that people saw, oh, Pedro is doing all this stuff. He was not uh, like activist in any way. And then suddenly like he is, so maybe I should do this or that. And uh, so able to persuade a few people of a certain things, including like just to give one small example of uh, something that I thought um, that I wrote uh, on a blog post and I, I really believe it, and I think it will be the key to actually us moving forward, being able to integrate our work with the uh, reality of life is twofold. One is um, you can't avoid the dragon. It comes and you have to kill it, be it personally, being an invader, being literally something that even this thing of like, oh, oh, let me put this separate. Oh, let me put this separate. Let me put this separate. It's something that we all do in a way. And there is this call to nobility. Call, the, call, the call to adventure is actually the call to nobility, which is do what you must, that you should have done before. And damn it, whatever, doesn't matter if you haven't done it before, because you can do it from now on. And uh, so that's the, the one thing. And the other thing is that you never know the ripple effects of... Um, the small acts of kindness and, and work that can be done. Just to give one example, I, I wrote this text saying that uh, basically it was my belief that seeing people like in shelters and it's like, oh, let's say that you're able to give a blanket, a diaper, let's say a blanket, you know, like, and that blanket actually helped a little girl like uh, uh, survive through the night and then she survives and then maybe she has a good life and then maybe she has children and then it goes on right and then in a different context in, in brazil where a place we should mention this we didn't mention this before we're actually in brazil right now 
Um, I was very afraid of um, escalation of the war, even though we were in Turkey, but Turkey is a NATO country and it's about a thousand kilometers from the shores of, uh, of uh, Odessa. And I said, you know what, let's go. And also my parents in Brazil were freaking out. So I said, let's come to Brazil. Let's help people from here. Let's help people that are coming here and let's regroup and be able to be in a somewhat safer environment and actually help. And then one of the things that happened was that in Brazil, some of my friends, they really started organizing in the city where I used to live called Curitiba um, that has a lot of uh, immigrants from like from Ukraine from a hundred years ago and uh, they really started like okay it's not that many people it's 30 50 80 but they were welcomed and they were helped and my friend she uh, did this thing of like gathering companies in Brazil and Brazil has not very much experience receiving refugees it's not like Italy Poland all those places that are used to that uh, Brazil it's not used to it much but then I think it's actually an opportunity for Brazil to change its DNA in a good way as it happened before and I'll, I'll get into it but what my friend did is like she got all these companies that she works with to get toys for kids and get clean bed sheets clean towels get food get those things so those things that after you've been through terrible times all you want is like this shower this warmth and they were welcomed in uh, Brazil over this past two weeks two weekends uh, people came and I was very happy that that happened and one of the things that I was thinking they think that even in a place like Brazil I even wrote a text about this saying that like my great-great-grandfather Sebastiano Bonato he was an Italian immigrant when he was 12 and he came to Brazil and there is this ship manifesto that shows oh Sebastiano Bonato son of this person and that person he's 12 he came to Brazil Right. They were basically in Brazil back then. He, they were fleeing war in uh, Italy, this specific individual. Uh, and uh, he stayed in the south of Brazil. They got a little piece of land where they planted. And um, I am the project of these people that fled war to Brazil. And now we have a chance, in the case of Brazil, to welcome all these uh, Ukrainians that are coming. So it's the sun's sons, sons, great, great, great sons of immigrants that are welcoming this people that may decide to stay in Brazil or may decide to stay in whichever country they are or may decide to come back and rebuild Ukraine. And I think one of the things that even I needed, I loved like um, being not specifically only in Ukraine, but being there and then going to all the places that we're interested in. Um, it's a place that appealed to me in so many levels and uh, seeing it destroyed the way it is and not only that the way that's it's more in the political end which i actually believe and um what's going on in ukraine right now it is a fight for freedom it is a fight for dignity for life there is an aggressor i don't think it is a matter of who's right or who's wrong it's like there's some people trying to dominate a place and they're trying to fend off those people and not only that fend off in the ter in terms of if the enemy wins it's not just win over Ukraine, it's a win over we can go and take over other places. And that's not a good thing for the world. I think that's why so many companies and people uh, all over the world, 140 something countries in the UN voted to uh, against this uh, aggression from uh, Russia. So in a way, I think just like a while back, France was at the forefront of fighting for liberty. 
like in the 1700s, then the United States and um, many countries, even a lot, all of those that got their freedom in the 80s in, uh, in, uh, with the collapse of Soviet Union, uh, people, countries in Africa, even Brazil, they fought for its independence. I think the people, and the, they gave the example for everybody around the world. I think that's where we are right now, that um, I can't be proud of things I haven't done, but I am inspired by what Ukrainians are doing and going through. And uh, it is my goal to do and to retool a lot of the work that uh, we are doing to help uh, in, uh, in Ukraine. And by helping Ukraine, you're actually helping the whole world because and it's not like my goal, my thought throughout this, even though I use the words enemy or like Russian invasion, aggression, the way that I see it is I hope that in some future, I don't know when, Russia will be like Germany is now. No one is pissed with their German friends because of what the Nazis have done. And I hope that eventually Russia and China and all the countries that are considered in Iran, they are considered evil ones, can be integrated in, even though there are all sorts of problems in other countries that have been invading and been doing tragic things all over the world, including France, including the US, including like England, of course. Uh, but at least now we're trying to do the right thing around the world. And I think that's very important. Most people want peace. So I hope that I can, be, I can kill this dragon and race to the challenge of uh, putting my work to on the immediate sense to bring some funds, and we're gonna talk about this in a bit, um, to help people in Ukraine specifically, and to get our work with the understanding that war, even if it ends in Ukraine magically, and I hope like within whatever weeks we're able to, to finish this, the war of keeping peace going is a continuous one, and how does the beauty of life and the beauty of dance and all those things they exist in a world of horrors right it's something even the first episode we did of artist date in this year that that's such a russian quote about beauty will save the world now we're going to put to the test that this year i think not think i know that millions and millions and millions of people are really waiting for announcement that it's okay and safe to come back to Ukraine regardless if they live there or not it's that waiting of uh, this nightmare to end but at the same time like the pitfall that was created right now at least between Ukrainian and Russian population is it will take at least a couple of generations to hell, if at all. We'll see. Yeah. The future will show. Yeah, what, what was done in, in Ukraine is unexcusable. As is, I, I just want to, it's a bit on the downer uh, side and uh, probably not a very popular opinion, but it really bugs me. Um, a lot of people are very engaged in other horrors in the world. Right, so just to give one example, like what I call this is not an oppression Olympics, right? It's not like, oh, this cause, this has been happening in this country way before. Like I had one conversation with a Palestinian friend, for example, and she um, 
basically what they were complaining was that, oh, look at the West now doing all the sanctions that they thought this should be applied to Palestine. And um, which I happen to agree, but my point to her when we were discussing and she actually agreed with me was that I said, well, you know, like I lived in Ukraine for so long. We worked together, me and this Palestinian friend in Toronto. We did so many works together. I did some artwork for her for the causes of Palestine. And again, I'm not complaining that people didn't reach out to me to see how I was, but she didn't. Right? And she didn't post anything about, she posted about the horrors that happen in Palestine every day for the last whatever 75 years. You got some messages, with some evil messages from people too. Uh, but basically, it's radio silence on the situation in Ukraine. And my comment to her was like, guys, everybody needs help. There is no oppression Olympics. Whoever you think needs more help, uh, go and help. Like, God be with you, right? And, um, but what I told her is like, remember like how you did not reach out in compassion to these people? And now you complain that people don't reach out in compassion to Palestine? So I think there should be a brotherly um, understanding between the people that have been oppressed instead of trying to say oh this cause is better than my cause and all that cause and this it's so unfair that they're helping these people and not that people so to me at least as the Brazilian guy for peace and even though I'm absolutely not a um, uh, nationalistic guy by any stretch of the imagination there's a lot of stuff that changed my views on both nationalism in the terms of let me help this piece of land or this piece these people in this place change my, my point about the importance of a well-trained and righteous military i always was against weapons and all those things one of the things that i kept thinking and i still think actually imagine if all those bombs there is bombs that didn't explode the fallen houses in ukraine you see that all the time the price of the bomb could have renovated that building. The price of those bombs could have paid for the education of a bunch of kids. I don't know how to um, measure necessarily how much. I know that the damage is in the billions and billions in Ukraine with um, universities, hospitals, houses destroyed without considering, and the loss of life and the most of all the loss of time and the soul scarring of the Ukrainians that were attacked by their neighbor again and uh, also for the world the threat of uh, nuclear war and the threat of nuclear disasters one of the reasons why I decided that it was very important to get out of the possible blast zone that is still very much existing in uh, Europe and in Ukraine because there are literally as of today the 33rd day of uh, war there's like fires in the forest close to Chernobyl, which is about 70 kilometers away from Kyiv, and there can be radioactive fallout of that kind of stuff. They're playing around with horrible things of the, the Russians took over a lot of uh, uh, nuclear power plants so that you can't attack them there. So there's this new evil um, uh, idea of how to conduct war in the Expect that those people are in their sound mind to take care of all of us. Uh, us not understanding that this is a pivotal moment in world history, just like Second World War was. 
and that all the oppressed people of the world, okay, yes, we're helping Ukraine right now, but yes, we need to help other people right after we finished with this uh, nonsense in, uh, in Ukraine. And uh, I just wanted to finish off because I know for you it's way more difficult than it is uh, for me uh, to talk about this. And um, one thing that you're going to see this week, and then we're going to announce properly next week, this idea of doing small things, right? Like, let's try to do something that even if it helps a few people, it can help. First, you can go to Yana's website, yanadance.com slash Ukraine. I think that's how you put it. Support Ukraine. Support dash will, Ukraine. Yes. Yeah, or pedrobonato.com slash Ukraine. Uh, and you can see resources of how to help with humanitarian war, uh, uh, like causes that were vetted by us, both in Ukraine and international. Um, and again, always do your due diligence and take a look at where you would like to donate. In my case, I always think, okay, you think this is not the place to donate? Okay, find the one that is next to your house and go to the soup kitchen or do whatever thing you can to, to help someone. I think it's very important. And what we're trying to do that I decided, okay, with what I have, forget the dragons and the monsters you didn't fight, some you did. So in my case, what I thought was like, I have these photos of belly dancers, we're talking about dance, that I did throughout whatever, six, seven years, I guess, eight maybe. And um, I think well, we're but, No, but like well, the focus is on that. And uh, so many Ukrainian dancers and then a lot of international dancers too, including some from Russia. And uh, over the next few days, last days, I had this idea of creating this collection, this book. There's a series of photographs. It's called Ventri. Ventri in Portuguese means wound. So in Portuguese, ballet dance is called Dança do Ventre, which means the dance of the womb, right? It's this feminine um, uh, expression. And I photographed throughout the years hundreds of, uh, of dancers, and then I reached out to a number of them to, for them to allow me to use these images. And then all the, all the profits from the sale of this book, of my photography, of both Ukrainian and international dancers, they will go to charity that will help women, pregnant women and uh, children in Ukraine. More details will come next week and we'll hopefully we'll have everything ready to, to do. And uh, it's something that we can start. So it's one of those things like on a note that maybe it's useful for other artists. Now we are war, uh, wartime artists and our understanding of our world, of our work is changing in real time. We don't expect to have all the answers, but one of the answers that we have is that our work is important. And of course, we will include all links in the show notes, so you can go and check both my website and Pedro's website to see different resources, different and some similar, the same yeah. resources, where to donate, how to help, how to support, and uh, along with uh, the book that Pedro has mention mentioned, uh, there are a couple other things will be uh, coming out so yes. you can follow us on social media on instagram that's for the quickest updates of what's happening and what's coming out in terms of projects on how to help and uh, we'll do our best to record artist date yeah in a we week keep, on a weekly basis we unless keep saying this for a while but apparently things are going on but we're very very happy that you guys are listening on spotify and other uh like podcast uh platforms or on youtube or on rumble so uh we thankful to you to keep with us in this journey if you have any 
questions, comments, uh, if you have any subjects you would like us to uh, talk about, uh, feel free to reach out to us. And um, until next time, this has been Artist Date, wishing for peace and trying to get peace in Ukraine and all over the world and wishing prosperity to everybody and uh, rise up to the level that you can be. That's what we are trying to do ourselves. And uh, there will be another opportunity for that every day.